All right. So Let's, intro. Intro? Okay. Wait, do I go? Yeah, you go. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to split screen. Thanks. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we Do we get to choose are, the yeah. intro song? That's my favorite Only part. Steve is allowed. No, Steve no. Allowed I don't. Do <laughs> not only me. No, we'll take recommendations. Why? Do you have a song? Do you have a recommendation? Do you have a song picked out? No. Oh, you sounded like you had something. Well, like, okay, like I played. Okay, as you're introducing it, I just started playing. danger zone in my head it just felt mm. right okay okay let me let me make a note of this let me make a note of this <laughs> all right we have today with urn who didn't say anything after i welcomed the pod well you didn't introduce yourself you just said welcome well it's like i'm waiting for you to say this is steve <laughs> Is that what we do? It's been so yeah. long. You say this is Steve, and I say this is Ernie. Okay, yeah. Whatever. All right, this is Steve. <laughs> this is Ernie. <laughs> this is Mark. <laughs> and that's Rathina. Mark, and that's Rathina. That's Mark. And Mark this and is Rathina. a special episode of the pod. We usually never have guests because we're just lazy to bring people on and record. But well, with all due respect, I did not make it easy to get this going. <laughs> no, honestly, this was relatively pain free. It wasn't. It bad, wasn't bad. We, it wasn't I bad. feel like, I feel like it's been more we've had, complicated. We've had worse. I feel like with Merle, it might have been more. Com- I don't know. No, Merle was okay. I don't remember. All right, Radina and Mark. We, I, we. When I, I watched Drive to Survive. So let me give a little backstory. My brother Josh was watching the show called drive to survive on netflix and it was like a f1 racing show and i was like whatever i don't know i'm not that i was like not super interested you know like i used to watch top gear and then they left bbc and i didn't really follow them on amazing race i watched a couple and it was kind of corny and i was like ah, forget this so i kind of stopped watching that was the extent of my auto motor television watching josh starts watching this drive to survive and you know the first season josh put you on this yeah dude josh put me on this so he was watching and it's a bunch of like teams that like i only know lewis hamilton it's the only name i know you know and michael schumacher from before that's it and Mm -hmm. there's no lewis hamilton and drive to survive season one it's like all these lame teams that are always coming in last (laughs) So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, these no name people. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, any it's about like, perseverance, pass. Steve. Yeah, yeah. I got, so I, anyway, I start watching it, and I'm like, okay, this is actually really interesting, and it completely sucks me in, and I burn through like three seasons like that, and I was like, okay, and and then I tell Merle, you know, I tell my brother Merle, like, you got to watch this. He gets sucked into it. I was telling Ern, like, Ern, you got to watch this. And then when we were like, okay, we got to do a pod about this. I was like, there's no one better to get on the pod 
than Radina, who's the car person in my life. We, we know me and Steve know nothing about cars. <laughs> nothing. Well, maybe Steve. I know zero. About no, that. I don't know anything about cars. I changed my own oil once, and I thought it was like a big deal. That's like the extent of my. Changed a tire. No, That's like I raised the car extent. up and like I unscrewed it and I put it mm-hmm. in a pan and I did the whole thing and I was like, wow, I'm a real do-it-yourself car person. <laughs> 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 so, so anyway, I was like, I gotta get Radina on the pod, and I was like. I don't know. Had I even met Mark at that point? I don't think I had, actually. No. I just knew that Mark does car things, too. But I didn't know, like, if Mark was going to be on this pod, you know, because I didn't really know Mark. So, I don't know. We get... Now, this crazy F1 season just happened. And I was like, this next season of Drive to Survive is going to be incredible. And so, <laughs> bam. There, we're here. We got you guys on. I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, I have so many uh, car questions. <laughs> I want to get the I want to get the perspective of the show through people that actually race or drive, yeah. You know? So okay. So first question. I mean, have you guys watched the show? Yes. I've only seen the first season. Okay. Wait, I mean, we, so we, you. We, we started to watch yeah. the second yeah. season, though. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, you know, F1 and like what it like what they do, essentially, you know, like because well, even F1 for me was kind of like, oh, this is different from NASCAR where they just go in a circle. Right. Like mm-hmm, F1's mm-hmm. like, oh, every circuit is different and they travel all over the world for this thing. Well, I'll admit, like, I didn't keep up with anything. I mean, like when Mark and I started dating, Mark was an avid F1 fan Mm. and I was pretty like siloed into the drifting world. So I, I mean, you, you hear about when like big things happen in other forms of racing, but you don't really keep up. I didn't really keep up. Mm. So I, I actually got into F1 more so because of drive to survive. Like, yes, legitimately. Like, yeah, a, yeah. A lot of people did. And there are, you know, I've talked to, uh, many, many people who never followed and now all of a sudden it's like the quarantine, well, the yep. previously quarantine uh, binge watch show and all these people who I never thought would be like, oh, yeah, what do you think about Max? Like, what? Yes, <laughs> yes, like, that's me. <laughs> exactly. That's, me. that's one of my questions. <laughs> that's me. I mean, that's right? me. And I'm, like, like, that's... I'm like, wait, what? Excuse me? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm totally... You know, oh. totally a fan or whatever, and it's like, how do you know? I mean, I didn't it, know you were into it, and it's like, oh well, I don't know. I started watching Drive to Survive, and it's like, exactly. even you know, people who unsus- unsuspecting people are now, yeah, and uh, you know, into it. But they've, I, they, I think Drive to Survive, I think has like overturned, like it's completely revolutionized like the minor international sport world because. I feel like tennis has now started their own drive to survive through Netflix and everyone's excited about it because it's like it's tennis. It's another one of these like kind of international sports that's, you know, like it doesn't have a huge American following and people in tennis are like really pumped about this drive to survive for tennis. And I think golf is getting one like that, too. So I'm ready for cricket. Let's get some cricket. <laughs> Honestly, going. that would be interesting. Seriously, like cricket would be interesting too. All right, cr- bef- 
before I go too deep down this rabbit hole, though, I gotta, I gotta get your guys. I mean, if I was to say, okay, Mark, how are you affiliated with cars or motor stuff? Like, for <laughs> someone like me, <laughs> motor stuff. I, I mean, motor like, stuff. how would you, how would you, in, how would you explain Jesus. what you do or how you got into cars and stuff? Okay, it's kind of a long story, but uh, I will try and abbreviate it as much as okay. possible. Abridge it? Is that, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that works. Um, so in um, 1982, I was born. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Go right so, to the yeah, beginning. Right. <laughs> uh, in 2006, I got my first uh, like track car and went on a track day and drove racetrack and why did you want to do that like what made you at it do want to do that like i also uh, got a driver's license at some point i was never like okay i'm gonna take this thing on the track yeah well so this car which i still have and takes up space in our garage is uh is a special car it's an integra type r and that's like a special edition of the acura integra and people from all over the country would get together and meet up for Type R, Integra Type R Expo. And so I made these friends who, with the same car, a limited edition car from all across the country. And we met once a year and raced around the racetrack. So um, there was a community basically built around it. And I was um, looking at the time for, you know, how to work on cars and i was looking for a community to teach me how to work on this thing so did you um, buy the car specific like did you know that this community existed before you bought the Mm -hmm. car did you just like happen to be like i need a car to get to school and then someone was like bro your car is like a special edition and people get together is that or were you like no i need to find this specific car no i started with the civic so that was like my first honda and then Mm. um I wrecked it because I'm an idiot. And then uh, it just coincidentally, this exact car was like this super unattainable um, car in Cincinnati. And it was like, oh, that's Mike's Type R. That's like the 200 horsepower, revs to 10,000 RPM Type R. And everyone wanted it. And mm. I was, I made friends with him. And once I wrecked the Civic and the insurance um, gave me money back or, you know, the, the thing, the claim yeah. was settled, I reached mm-hmm. out to him. I was like, hey, you don't by chance plan to sell this thing anytime soon. And he said, as a matter of fact, I am. So mm. he he offered it to me and I was able to afford it with the insurance money. And so I bought the car. I bought the car that everyone was talking about, the 10,000 um, RPM, 200 it- horsepower naturally aspirated integra type r so you already had some kind of i mean you were you were like kind of like into this stuff a little bit yeah before yeah. you were already like yeah. heading in that direction yeah i was already like modding st- but you were Hondas. doing racing like so you were doing time trial type racing on the track against all these people or was it everyone lines up and they go like racing racing no i was sitting in parking lots and car shows and stuff in the beginning and if we were run like messing around we would just be driving around back roads like not actually driving on a racetrack it wasn't until it wasn't until i got the integra and then until i found the expo the type r expo community uh that i did my first track day and then once i did my first track day 
that's when you get the bug and mm. you're like, okay, um, why? Okay. So I have all these mods on my car. Why does it handle like crap? And mm. then you just go down this mm-hmm. rabbit hole of trying to make everything work better and then get more seat time and hang out with your buddies and be like quick around the track. And like the goal is always to be, or at least for me was always to be like a, a quick guy with a slow car. Right. So like if I can mm. drive a slow car fast, it's pretty impressive. I so, see. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah, means yeah. your that means your skill set is compensating this, for the car. This right. is this is my biggest biggest question about when you see these shows or like see do you appreciate the driving or the car? Uh I think more? it's a little bit of both but usually driving cuz you know these Formula 1 drivers when they start um they usually have to start on a smaller team and then have to work their way up Mm -hmm. right they're like yeah yeah, because they talk about karting and they talk about like f2 or three or something and like coming up through the like or they're always like when they start yeah they're like the second driver they're never just initially like the main team right 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 so mark you got into racing that's how you got into racing. And then you've now taken that love of racing and like parlayed that into a career in automotive stuff. Yeah. So basically the uh, through that track event, um, six years later, I met a guy who worked at a company called Eibach. And he this was in Ohio. We met at Mid-Ohio uh, Raceway. And I was like, I had just made the decision to move to California, like cold turkey, never even visited. My buddy needed a roommate and he's like living in Venice. And it was for what I thought was super expensive. But now looking back at it, it was like a thousand bucks a month to live in Venice right across from Whole Foods. (laughs) It's like, dude, now it's like a $3,000 rental. But um I mean, was so, there was a racing scene big in California? I mean, was that a, was that like an attractive thing, or was it just like let me get to California? I, it was really just let me get to California because honestly, I was in motorcycle mode at the time. I wasn't even mm. really driving the car, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna put my bike on the back of this truck, drive out to California, and figure out a job and all that stuff. So fast forward. Um, you know, November 2012, I'm out here, I go to this racetrack, I meet back up with these guys, I'm like, oh, you know, hey, I'm finally out here, and they're like, oh, hey, they're, you you know, you know, sounds like you know what you're talking about, and you, like, could be an okay salesperson, so we'll let you know if there's ever anything available, or, like, if you're interested, and I said, yeah, for sure, Mm. so I finally get a text, like, hey, we've got a sales position open, you should try out, or it was actually, it was like a technician position. You should try that. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. So I tried it and talked to the engineering manager and, and I was not the right fit for that. Cause I just, I does I don't work on enough cars. I only knew Hondas. So yeah, uh, didn't get that gig. And then there was a sales position at like a few weeks later, or a month later that I eventually did get. So, mm. um, yeah, so we, Ibach manufactures um, coil springs and anti-roll bars and shocks for cars, trucks, and SUVs. And, and you're still do, you're stuff. still with them now. Yeah. So I actually just had my nine-year anniversary. Which wow. Is cool. 
That's yeah. crazy. I mean, that's wild. And he's the marketing director of the whole U.S. branch. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. I moved up a still, little bit from and, the sales position. And you still race. You're still like for, uh, as a, for fun. Yeah, for fun. It's really expensive and time consuming and t- requires a lot of preparation. And right. So I have not been super diligent about it, um, but... It's still definitely something fun. And actually, in April, I have my first um, in wheel-to-wheel race, endurance race, uh, with uh, Lucky Dog Racing, which is cool. Ooh. Okay. So, that, so now we just want to give the audience, we just want them to know we're not just bringing on, like, any old people. <laughs> we're bringing yeah, we on make- real, real people that know what they're talking about because yeah, that's usually we- not us. We make the springs that are on these Formula One cars. Oh, are you serious? Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That Okay, that's wild. Okay, that's crazy. I did not realize it. I didn't realize yeah. they were making... Because, I mean, Formula One cars... Because my uncle, who lives in the UK, is really big into F1. And he, you know, he's always talking about how the cars are so technical and they literally will build them for the track that they're racing. It's not like they just take a generic, the same car and take it to every track. They're literally modifying it for every single track, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't in that. So to me, that sounds like it's such a super technical and expensive vehicle, you know, like that, that, that car is everything, right? They pour all of their research and development into that thing. So that's crazy that, I mean, like they're taking, Parts that you sell and putting it in the F1 cars. That's wild. All right. Radina. Now, I mean, so I've obviously met Mark through you, through your now husband. But and I've known you since we were small children playing video games. Tell me like your car story, because when we were growing up, the only cars that you were driving were those little like Mattel, like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The little the only power thing she wheels. was driving was a Tamagotchi. <laughs> yeah, no, like a, you, you a Barbie used, Jeep. Yes, you yeah. had the Barbie yeah. Jeep. That's right. That's right. The bar- that Barbie Jeep almost got us killed many times. <laughs> I remember when you guys lived in the houses on the other side of where you guys, you know, yeah. ended up living. You, I remember. Yeah. I used to think those things were so cool because I always wanted yeah. one of those. <laughs> Because I liked driving things back when I was young, like golf carts. and. <laughs> okay, so how did you get into cars? How did you... Because cars obviously brought you and Mark together. How did right. you get into cars? So I can recall like the first time I started actually liking or like being intrigued by the thought of a real car was I was 13, had just gotten a PS2. And I had, like, a secret boyfriend who I was with until I was, like, 18. Okay. And secret boyfriend guy had, like, loved cars, like, loved drifting, was just fully immersed into all, like, Japanese culture in general. Can you just explain what drifting is? Sure. Drifting is when you take a rear-wheel drive vehicle and you are, if, if you're talking about competitive drifting... You're on a track and you are pitching the car sideways. And so the car is still moving 
um, through a road course or, or an oval or whatever it may be, but completely sideways. So your rear wheels are essentially locked when you initiate this drift and momentum and wheel speed kind of carry you through. Okay. It's like Tokyo Drift. Yeah. But, I mean, I think know. people on like whenever you see car chases on movies, that's usually the yeah. exciting thing that they're watching is people's the rear ends of their cars like yes. rolling around a curve while they're going diagonal or something. It's really important though. The rear wheel drive aspect is really important because like you'll encounter people that say they drift mm-hmm. and then you ask them what car they have and then they say, I have a Honda which is, you know, a front-wheel drive car. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not, by definition, that's not possible. Like, they might be inertia sliding their vehicle, but it's not drifting. Gotcha. Okay. So. So your secret that, boyfriend was into this thing. <laughs> yeah, I was into cars. And so, like, we would be on the phone, and then we would play Gran Turismo 3. And, like, you can play online back then. This is before those times. Yeah. But, I had Gran Turismo 3 and, you know, like build out, you could build out the cars right. on that game. People love that and game. I remember. Gran Turismo is a game Yeah, changing. that was like a really yeah. big deal. I remember. With cars. Yeah. I, all my friends that were into cars. Played GT. Yeah. Love that mm-hmm. game. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. a really good game. I mean, like it was really ahead of its time too. And so mm-hmm. I, on that game, there was a. A Toyota Supra, which I, in my opinion, was like the most beautiful car on that game. It was the most well-performing car on that game. And actually, the the Nissan 350Z, which would eventually become like my first car and like my current race car, was a prototype in that game. Mm. And um, I thought it was the ugliest thing in the world. I was like, dude, this car is so stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, so I remember like... And my dad actually um, kind of likes car. Like he's always kind of yeah. liked cars. So yeah, yeah. Um, like I would talk to him about the Supra, and then I remember like going on Craigslist. I don't even know what Craigslist was like back then, but I remember looking up. It actually might not even been. It's probably like Auto probably, Trader or something. No, I think it was like Auto Trader and eBay. Okay. I would like look up these Toyota Supras and like print them out for my parents to look at and be like, okay, this is the car I want to get when I'm 16. Mm. And so like, I just like grew this obsession with Supras and then like, I never got a Supra. Never. Oh, that's a lie. I didn't, I didn't get the the Supra I wanted. I eventually got an older Supra. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of where that, that love started. And so this boyfriend, when I turned 16, he took me to go see my very first drift event in person. And so this was at Irwindale Speedway in 2006. So I was 16 and it was at the time called D1GP, which um, no longer exists in the United States. It's a, it's a Japanese series. Okay. And um, yeah, I like saw professional drifting for the very first time. And it was like the craziest thing. I had never experienced anything like that in real life. It was just like wild. And because they're all know, just sliding want- around the tracks. Yeah, but it was like with mm-hmm. so much pre- precision, so much speed. Yeah, you know they're like riding the wall at like a hundred miles per hour within feet of each other. Um, you know, against another. It was just crazy. I was like, how is this even a thing? And yeah. so, um, and at that event, 
there was a couple American drivers, but Tanner Faust, if you if you watch, you know, Top Gear mm-hmm. USA, you know who T- Tanner Faust is. But Tanner Faust was competing at D1GP at that time. He had a 350Z. I also had a 350Z. And so I just started like following some of these drivers and same kind of like as Mark's journey for the first like many years, it was all like car meets and parking lots and like um, a lot of a lot of street racing. Um, And then like eventually I started going to the track when I was in college and that's because I just wanted to start doing this for myself and so i'm pretty much self-taught you know so this is almost 10 i guess it's more than 10 years ago it's 2011 that i started drifting yes this is when the time i was in loma linda yeah yeah so that's when i started going to the track and i would i remember like my (laughs) class schedule in college at la sierra i didn't have classes in the morning on wednesdays so i would like go to the track, which was 100 miles away, go to the track, get there at 8 a.m., go drifting for like four hours, and then come back to class. That's wild. And so I did that like weekly. And just like until... That's crazy. Until I started getting better. And it was a lot (laughs) cheaper back then. And um, and then I started competing in 2015. So this was after college. I had a little bit more money because I was like working now Mm -hmm. and living at home, so I didn't have expenses. Right. And, um, yeah, and that's when I, I actually worked with a shop and saved a bunch of money. I actually took out a loan like an idiot and built my first race car, which that's, is my current race car. That's and the one you have right now? It's the one I have right now. It's gone through, like, tons of changes. Yeah, I feel like it had a different look, like, every few months. It was, like, green at one point. It was, like, pink and black yeah. at one point. Yeah, it it's, ha- it's had... It's had a lot of, it's been a journey, but yeah, that's kind of when I started kind of getting more into it. And then I also started working in the automotive industry and I, I won't go right. too deep into the story, but you know, I started working on an online magazine, a tech automotive tech magazine that wrote a lot about the cars, like types of cars that Mark was driving ah. and Eibach was actually one of our past advertisers and okay. so that's actually how Mark and I met was that's, he, he. That's insanity. Yeah. So we, I, you know, we were trying to get Ibach back on board. Mark was recently promoted into his marketing director position. And so it was like, all right, oh, let's it's get all them on back Mark. on board. You had to convince Mark. <laughs> yeah. So that's how, that's how we met. That's how we met. And so, you know, we got Ibach on board and. And all that. So, yeah, it was very, that's when I was working in the automotive industry full time. And, yeah. I, I mean, mean, there's so much more to this story, but I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> I, my only little side question from that is because G, uh, Gran Turismo 3 is a racing game, correct? Yeah. It's not like a drifting game. No. So, why did you not, at some, like, why drifting and not racing? So it's kind of hard to explain because you would have to be a part of the community. But mm-hmm. like drifting, and this is going to sound really lame to anyone that's really involved in racing. This, like ra- <laughs> anybody that races hates drifting. Like truly, they that's don't what like I was, respect. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like it doesn't, it they seems like they're parallel it. 
kind of communities, but they don't really. It's not like they do both, really. No. Mm -hmm. So, like, drifting, like, the usually the reason why anyone gets plugged into that community is because of, like, the culture and lifestyle. Okay. And it's a really, it is a, it is a big community, but it's also kind of like the rebels of the car community. You know, like, you're mm. kind of like the modern day hot rodder. Okay. And... I don't know. I, I, I have like rose colored glasses for drifting. I don't know. Even so know it's like I'm once you're in it. that community, it was kind of like if you're with us, you're in this side. Yeah. Not on that side. You would never even think about crossing to the other side. Right. And like and, you know, 10, 15 years ago, drifting was like more underground. It wasn't mainstream. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like as it was cooler because it was like like just cooler car like the cars were more stylistic it wasn't about like horsepower or like engineering it wasn't about that now today it's a very different story mm -hmm. you know now today drift cars are some of the most like highly engineered cars like on the professional level mm, okay. you know right up there it it's very different now but yeah, at the time, like the draw was, oh, like this is like a rebellious thing. It's just cool. Like there's a lot of steez factor involved. So um, that was what it was about. And so like racing was kind of like this stuck up stuffy thing that I like couldn't relate to. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, that's interesting. So it's interesting because both of you are coming from the opposite sort of ends of the like automotive race world right like you're both kind of coming at approaching it in to an extent but like our roots were very similar because mm -hmm. like we both what we call like the jdm world which is japanese domestic market that's what jdm stands mm -hmm. for okay. so like we that's both true. came from like the jdm grassroots world and that's so, its own little community of yeah so culture. like independent of track stuff we both that's why we have so many like similar kind of experiences when we like reminisce on when he was in high school or when i was in high school very similar experiences like truly yeah and then like it's just more of the craft of like the the craft of what we do on the track is very different um but okay yeah, i don't know no i like it all right I, so now I, I want to get into the show itself. I know Ern has questions. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know the the people as well, right? I just go from based on the show. I didn't. I don't really know Lewis Hamilton even before. Really? Like I didn't know him. No, I didn't really know hmm. know who that was. Bro, he's like the. It... No, I know, but I don't, I didn't follow it. I at mean, all. not a lot of people know much about formula one in the in the u.s it's not a big mm -hmm. thing it's only just recently started to catch people's attention i could tell you more about nascar than formula one before this show yeah really? i mean that makes sense uh because yeah. it's you know more easily viewed here in the states you know formula one is on at 4 a.m 3 a.m 5 a.m and you, you know before f1 tv.com or whatever their streaming app is you had to wake up or you had to set or you had to like have some sort of funky channel and then make sure to set your thing so it wasn't it wasn't easily attainable so 
I think the show has made it uh, really attainable to even start watching or even get your interest because of Netflix yeah, first. Yeah. And then now you can just pay 10 bucks a month and watch the races on F1.com right. who are not sponsoring this episode, but I would love a sponsorship. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, there's no one of import who listens to this pod, unfortunately. You don't know that. Every listener is important. Yes. Hi, Dad. Hi, Josh. Yeah. Um, no. So, okay. So, wait. But the, so, the show, right? Wait, wait, you guys saw that. We, we're not going to drop season. spoilers, though. No, yeah, no, yeah, no spoiler. Okay. Go for it. Well, I mean, you can't drop spoilers because really if we want this, them to watch this, Drive to Survive, I, yeah, you know, th- yeah, that's fine. This is not a spoiler. So every in the first season, especially since Lewis Hamilton's not in it, right? They take you to this driver. You talk about like his like you get to learn about him how he how he kind of came up, and then he does his like racing. And he does like you think he's doing really well. In the end, Lewis Hamilton just wins yeah, every right, time, right? right? <laughs> Forsberg for the win. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. so like he's clearly like superior, right? But is it because of his team? Like, is it his skill? or is he like a clearly better driver? Is, yeah, is, yeah, that's, that's what I, that, I, I. I had that question yeah. too because it seems like every because you got Ferrari, you have Mercedes, you have mm-hmm. all these other cars and some of them it's kind of like almost like baseball right like the yankees have the biggest budget they buy all the best players and somehow they're always like deep in the playoffs so like it seems similar to me in f1 like you have these deep pocket teams that you know they it's like they get these drivers and the drivers do well but it's like are the lower end drivers saying if i had lewis hamilton's car I would be the number I'd be the world champion right now. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's both. I mean like I think Mercedes has the best cars. But I also think that if you put Lewis in a different car, like he would still be vying for first. Even if he was like in Haas's car? No, no. not Haas. No. But like a <laughs> Red like, Bull. No, not, no. Like, Look, not that car. Could, Look, here's a perfect <laughs> like example. <laughs> A perfect example, George Russell uh, had the opportunity to drive Lewis's car, drove it very, very well. George Russell's pretty much a uh, rookie. I mean, not truly a rookie, Mm -hmm. but he's new. Yeah. Um, He went, drove that car, proved himself, and now he's in Botas's spot this year. Right. So, So there's an example of, you know, you have really talented drivers throughout the whole range, and it really can come down to hardware and team structure and, and how the team functions. And, you know, um, Mercedes Mercedes has is backed by a very talented team uh, principal, and, um, you know, they're yeah. sticking I- it to everybody. I guess the it's like so like, because uh, no because like in season one like the show I mean the the best car the best team that is featured in season one is Red Bull right and mm-hmm. Red Bull it, they're they're showing it from the perspective of not Max Verstappen but the the other Daniel, Daniel yeah Ricardo Daniel, Daniel Ricardo, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. and you know like. And, but Verstappen's like this 
up and comer, right? Like he's the guy who's gonna like he's the one that Daniel Ricardo's always looking over his shoulder about almost. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how George Russell and Hamilton are gonna be now? Like, do you get the sense that because Russell's this young guy and he's obviously very talented and he's won some stuff in the like lower series type stuff, you know, is Hamilton now gonna be looking over his shoulder? Cause I never felt like Hamilton, even though Botas was amazing, like they're like Hamilton and him always came in one and two, which made me think, oh, it's the Mercedes car. Like mm-hmm. Botas, I was like, how good can Botas be? Is I was like, is he is Botas really number two good, or is he just like, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, or is he driving the best car in the world, and so he's always coming in second? And because they had the most successful one-two partnership, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so I I don't know. It just to me like like that whole dynamic where all the drivers seem like they're like they they seem like they're committed to their teams, but they also seem like at any minute they could just bolt for another position and another car, mm-hmm. you know? That's the sense I got mm-hmm. after the season 1, you know? Where it was kind of like mm-hmm. it's not like sport teams that you think of like Kobe on the Lakers or something like I mean I guess Lewis Hamilton you know you think of him in Mercedes but he was on Red Bull at one time right Hamilton I don't know yeah didn't he win his first didn't Hamilton I don't think Red Bull was even in there at that time no he was no he was with McLaren McLaren that's who he won the his first championship with right yeah I, I believe so Okay, so here's my other question. How is it that, like, Red Bull came up, like, this energy drink company? Like, how did they come from, we've never made a car in our life, to now we're the top two cars in the world? Like, whereas, like, like BMW and all these other, like, Honda or whoever, like, none of these other guys were, like, you know, they weren't, like... You would think they're the natural – another car company would be the natural to, like, be like, okay, we're going to start a F1 team and we're going to, like, beat Ferrari, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a deeper question of, like, you have, like, motorsport legacy, sure, yeah. like BMW, but BMW isn't making their money by motorsport legacy. They're making their money by selling cars on a lot. Yeah. So, like – that's where they're putting their their marketing dollars and like their big spends. Yeah. And then you have like Red Bull who is really just a shiny, you know, media marketing like just huge company. Right. That sells energy drinks. Like I don't consider them an energy drink company first. I actually consider them a media company first. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So like you don't you feel like the energy drink portion of their business is almost like a side project. Yeah, I mean it it gives something a little bit more tangible to like your regular person that is encountering Red Bull so you can associate it with something. But you know like I'm sure it goes for the same for Mark, but for me, like I look at Red Bull and I, it's synonymous with motorsports now because they, they're involved in everything. Mm. Uh-huh. Like any kind of, any kind of like, um, or just sport. 
Yeah. Like, support. Like, yeah. Not, not just. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. It's just to me because, you know, like like Ferrari's been doing this kind of F1 stuff from like a long time. Right. Like there's all these big Ferrari fans. Right. Like people that just yeah, are fans of Ferrari too. as a team. It just seems it's wild to me that you could just be this like company that's, you know, not not really done any of this stuff and just come out and just be like. Because I look at this Haas and the 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 other like English team that was getting rocked all the time, you know, like with the old man, the family owned, and I was just like Williams, yeah, Williams, <laughs> like <laughs> Williams is historically oh, a huge so deal. <laughs> I mean, but it's, it's just like yeah. they were they were languishing in obscurity. I mean, not mm-hmm. obscurity, but they were languishing at the bottom of the poles all the time and. You got this Red Bull just be like, all right, we're just going to pour a bunch of money into this thing and take off. It just, I don't know. I just, to me, it just seemed weird that like a, one of these older companies wouldn't just be like, okay, we've been doing this for a long time. We know about cars. Like we can outperform this new company coming up. So if you, if you could have, um, you know, like you could build your, your your perfect car and you could pick one driver from that show to drive it who would that driver be mm. you know you're gonna say lewis but you don't want to nah as <laughs> it would i don't of know of course it would I mean, is Lewis Ham like, I think I have no I have no from from the show my answer would be Max right Max? I don't, I don't know. Like, just from how the the sh- net, the show portrays everybody, how they drive, I feel like they make it seem like he's the best driver. That's, I mean, that's because kind of- Red Bull is probably sponsoring this show. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no. Season four, Max is not even Max de- declined to even like participate in season four. This new season. Mm-hmm. I mean. His PR people probably. Oh, I'm sure. Too. I mean, I'm sure the principal, like, I'm sure I mean, Horner is like, going to be all over that. I feel like he that. comes across as like a villainous type of person, though. I don't really like him. No, dude. But listen, when that, I mean, okay, I don't want to give a bunch of spoilers, but when the the end of last <laughs> season finished, there was there was so many the like Verstappen versus Hamilton talk was crazy on Twitter. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, everywhere. I everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we definitely, I mean, we might have to come back and talk about the season after, like, they finish airing Drive to Survive season four. We may have to come back and do a recap of the season because I, I just have so many things I want to <laughs> say about how that season <laughs> finished, how last season finished, and how the final race finished. Because I woke up. I'm one of those people. I woke up in the morning early. I turned on ESPN 50 or whatever, mm-hmm. and I watched that thing from the beginning. And the way it played out, I was livid. I was like, I cannot believe I like. I was. I, I was just. It was one of the wildest endings I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. and it totally made me think. Like, I can totally see how people love racing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just made me way more. I used to think, oh, if you have like a 
lead or whatever and it's a few laps to go, it's like a foregone conclusion. It's like being up by 21 in football with like three minutes left or something. You know what I mean? Like you're just thinking, there's how, where's the – because usually when sports gets interesting is when it comes down to the wire, you know, and you're just mm-hmm. like who's going to pull it off or who's going to come back or whatever. And I didn't really think that was possible in, you know – I mean, in F1, I kind of just thought, like, unless something insane happens, like, and yeah, the, like, most insane thing happens on the last race of the last year to determine the championship. I mean, is I don't know. It totally mm-hmm. made me be like, okay, I got to watch. I got I to, gotta, like, I got to go see this in person at some point, for sure. Yeah, we should go to Coda and do a pod at Coda. Wait, what's Coda? Yeah. Circuit of, oh, the Circuit of the Americas. Oh, yes. Yes. We should yeah. get, we most should expensive go to, pod to date. Oh my goodness. I looked okay, I looked at the I looked at the prices last year cuz you know, I that's when I was into I was watching all this Drive to Survive and I was looking at the tickets for just even getting on the grounds, you know. Mark's going to be able to go this year. Mark, we're Yeah. Uh, maybe Mark get me a maybe bro you're they they their cars can't run without you bro yeah it's only <laughs> recently that we are back on the cars we were in the cars early uh in the late 90s and the early 2000s and then they switched to torsion bars where they didn't use springs really at all oh, and uh, only this year uh did they start bringing coil springs back into the suspension Okay, can so. I ask you about this? Because I know that F1 changes their cars every few years, right? hmm So there was a lot of chatter about this upcoming season, 2022, like that this was going to be more of an equalizer type, like where teams like Red Bull and Mercedes wouldn't have as big of a leg up on the lower end team, and it was going to be more about the drivers mm-hmm. versus the cars can you explain? I don't know if you even know. Like, do you know what changed? Like, are they just like, no, your horsepowers are, everyone's got a governor? Or, like, what is it that they're, like, how is it that they believe these changes are going to equalize the drivers? You know what I mean? Like, because I think that's what most casual fans are looking at it. Like, and even in Drive to Survive, it's kind of like Haas is not fighting for number one when they get out on the track. They're like, right. If we can get to number five, that's an amazing result. Like yeah. they're just like really pumped when they get in this middling tier. And for American sports watchers, that is a really odd thing to witness. Like <laughs> people getting excited about like coming in like third to last. You know, like right, and like still I, acting like you did well. Oh, I mean, they're, they're genuinely excited. Like they're seriously yeah. ecstatic. Like there, there's no faking. They're not like fake happy they're like the drivers are even like yeah yeah and you're just like dude you're like the race is already over like they're already popping the champagne when you're like what are you excited about like yeah i mean i don't know do you know like anything about the changes i guess to the cars or how they think that's gonna make it better for yeah at least more equal well so there's there's uh spending caps so they're that's one thing. Gotcha. And then the um, the aerodynamics are massively changed. So 
in the past, the, um, the aerodynamics were set up so cars behind, like cars directly behind um, the lead car could, you know, had like the air behind it would stall out. It would get dirty, it, right? That's it, what they yeah, mean. Like... Get, yeah, it would get dirty. And then it, the ground effects or the arrow on the car behind it didn't work as well. So if you're too close to a car in front of you, you would like have no steering response or very little steering response in like a low speed corner. That's so, interesting because usually you think you're, you're if you're going to be catching, you're going to actually be able to go faster, right? If you're right behind someone. Right. right? Isn't that the thinking? Like even yeah, like when like, people are bike racing, they're like trying to stay right behind the person. So that way they can go around them like because right. they're using less energy. True. Uh, and it is, you know, breaking some of the air, uh, some of the force, but the it's breaking wind, as you could say, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> um, no, but it but it creates so much turbulence behind the car because it's pushing so much air that you know you're not getting so much of a toe in um so and you're losing all that extra pace because your your tools aren't working you know the the rest of the arrow on the car isn't working so um what's what's changed is you know they fixed that so you can get you know you can get closer without uh affecting you know the function of the the car um, you've got the spending limit caps, you've got a change in the wheel and tire combination, change in the suspension package. And that's um, why so, you guys are now able to come back in because they are changing the suspensions and stuff. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, because um, usually, I mean, so on, so on airplanes, right? Like you need air to go over all the surfaces in order to create lift right like when Mm -hmm. you're flying like Mm -hmm. and if so i would just actually watch this video of this pilot in alaska he had a plane that had a cloth top you know like a cloth top and while he was flying he was not able to use his elevator to move up and down and he was like what's going on like i can't move i can't like i can't lift and i can't descend you know he was like what's going on why is my elevator not working and what he found out i mean he he crashed (laughs) but what happened was the cloth top on the very front like right where his windshield is supposed to be had lifted up a little and the air coming over it got disrupted and so the air then passing over the plane didn't hit the elevator correctly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't creating the right amount of lift. And I'm guessing that's what they mean by like the dirty air, like it's getting disrupted, right? So it's like creating turbulence almost behind the cars instead of that smooth airflow that can then go over so that you can draft basically. Right. 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 Okay. That makes sense. So it's going to make for a lot more interesting racing like a lot more interesting racing because i am super excited about the season yeah yep the only thing i mean the only thing that would be kind of cool to see back would be i like fuel stops because that adds a whole another change of things but it's super dangerous and i don't know i think uh 
Wait, what do you mean? They're what do you mean by they're adding fuel? What do you mean adding fuel stops? No, that it would be cool to see fuel stops come back into play as a strategy. But I mean, tire tire strategy is already interesting. But you know, they don't do fuel. Oh, stops you anymore. mean like? Oh, wait. So wait, what happens if you run out of fuel? You are done. <laughs> You're stuck on the track. Wait, but how is this? So when you say fuel stops as a strategy, does that mean that they used to keep the cars uh, like their tanks used to be very small on purpose and then you'd have to go back to fuel it up or was it? But now they have tanks that are large enough to last the whole race. Right. And if when you come into pit, you can't get fuel. Correct. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, and, yeah, I think uh, NASCAR, right? They come in and they right. put those, in, they do fuel yeah, stops and stuff. That's right. And they used to do that in F1. Yeah. Is that just because they didn't want people coming into the pit so often? Uh, I think it was a safety, a safety thing. Because, um, okay. you know, anytime that you're messing around with fuel and, you know, burning hot, Right. Components and stuff. It's Isn't just... it more dangerous to have like a full tank of gas throughout a race? Uh, not necessarily, because I mean they're using fuel cells that are safe and. Um, but like, know. if you get in a crash, oh right, right? like you have more fuel theoretically to, that to, to be exposed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Roman Grosjean can attest to that. Yeah. yeah. So oh scary. Gosh, that was crazy. Yeah, but, I watched that know, on Drive to Survive. Was it on there? I can't remember. Yeah. I think season two. Oh, you guys mm-hmm. haven't watched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, wa- yeah, I watched, we saw, we saw I watched the actual race season. <laughs> yeah, so. you probably Same. watched the actual race itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We see everything a season after it happens. Yeah, so much later. <laughs> this is the first time I actually found out something before I saw it. I know. That's year. true. Yeah. This season, I kept up with 2021. And a part of me was almost not going to do it because I was like, well... Do I really want to keep up this season? Don't I want to watch it for the <laughs> Drive to Survive season four? But it's like too interesting to not. Like I was, the race was so interesting. Like the points race and the race. You guys need to cars. follow all the teams and the drivers on social media. I follow yeah, Lewis so many, and I follow so many Mercedes. Spoilers that way. No, no, I not for, not about the spoilers, but it gives you so much more info. Like, wouldn't you say that? That's what got me into it. Like, yeah, I watched Drive to Survive right. season one, but then I went and started following everybody. Yeah. And it gave me so much history on, like, the teams, the dynamics. Like, they are just so much – I don't know what it is. Like, F1 is super elevated as a sport, but then I really love how, like, open and raw everyone is on social media. Right, Like, right. the drivers <laughs> – like they, it does. It almost seems like it's actually the drivers talking, not like their PR teams, which is really good marketing, right? They they're actually sucking people into the like conversation. And yeah, I mean, it's because they're interesting. I mean, I think it's because you don't normally, usually, people are just that are casual are just looking at the teams and the races and who wins and who loses. And yeah, yeah, you have no idea. How yeah. The, the actual people, people are, are. you don't really get a sense drivers. of all the drama. I mean, like that's what makes 
Drive to Survive interesting. It isn't even the races and who wins and loses. It's all the yeah, like the drama. drama around it. Mm-hmm. And but the like drivers- social media, you get to see like how like the drivers are all pretty vocal about like who they support and what they support. Right. And yeah. um, oh, I know. Like- I I definitely was paying attention after this last season. After that last yeah. race, I wanted to see what everyone's reaction was because I wanted to know among drivers. What do they think about what went down? I mean, the dri- I without spoilers, I think most of the drivers were pretty upset with how things they, went down. That's what I thought. That's what I that's how I thought too, but there were a lot of fans of one side who were very vocal and trying to justify I am with the drivers. I I I think it's all all right. That's good. Yeah. I feel that makes me feel better because me as a casual, like I can't really argue with people about that. You know, like I can't if they know what they're talking about. I really can't be like, well, to me, it seemed like this should have happened, you know. So, well, like, again, without getting into like what actually played out, I think what's unfortunate about what happened is that it came down to like race regulations and like the race director yes yes it wasn't it wasn't the race that decided it and that's right. the problem right okay listen if for <laughs> anyone who doesn't want spoilers just turn it off right now all right because <laughs> i gotta i know I, I gotta get this off my chest i can't hold it in any longer all right <laughs> i can't this is okay this is what i think should have happened okay when they put up the flag Okay, the rules should have been because they unlapped certain drivers, right? Like they unlapped only like a few drivers, like only Lewis and and Max. That's it, right? They like everyone else had to like they didn't unlap everyone. They just did those two, right? Like when they restarted. And by that time, like Max was able to go back and pit and put in soft tires, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially right. why he won. Right. So he was he his team was able to make that call because he was in because he's playing from behind. He has nothing to lose. Right. Like right. there's nothing for him exactly. to lose by pitting. And like he's about to lose if he, he has to change something. So it made sense. But Lewis, like he didn't know what was going to happen. So no. he couldn't pit if he pits and then Max doesn't pit and then they restart the race. He's completely screwed. Right. It's just, yeah. Like, they should have called a red flag, brought everyone, put them back on the line, give everyone fresh tires, go one lap, and that call it a day. See, I'm, like, I'm of, like, of the same opinion, but, like, much more simplistic. Like, I don't care as a race director what you call, but it better be consistent. Like, just make a consistent call. Right. Because they didn't, because it didn't seem like it was fair to the other teams behind Max, right? Like those other guys didn't have a chance. It was only Max that really had a chance to catch Lewis. That's what problem with Massey's call in that last race, you know? It was like, okay, you're just unlapping Max and like... I don't know. It just the whole way it played out. It was it, I could I was going nuts. I was like literally 13 seconds ahead of this guy with like three laps to go. You know, like I couldn't believe right. that this was happening. 
Yeah, and it's just not fair. I mean, like, you can draw, like, theoretical conclusions, right? Yeah, like, and oh, dude, well, Mercedes wouldn't still made the wrong call or, like, I mean, whatever. that's so but hindsight. It's all, yeah, it is. And, like, and that's why I think it's the race director's response. And the, they it's kept the asking racing. Massey, like, how are you going to – they kept asking exactly. Massey, like, how are you going to do this? How, and he wasn't answering because I think if he had given an earlier answer, it would have – Right. He didn't decide until after Red Bull pitted. You know, yes, it's it, it's just like completely not fair because then you're like taking the fairness out of the race. Yep. because it's just like he had no chance. Like, yeah, I, like if Lewis if Lewis lost and like none of that happened, like then. OK, yeah, like then, you know, like who deserved that win. But it's like Lewis is sitting there on like 30 lap medium tires or whatever. Right. And then this dude's on fresh two lap soft tires like. That's to me it just seemed like it doesn't matter how good of a driver Lewis Hamilton is, he's not gonna be able to hold him off, you know? I don't know. I I don't know. That would just to me, I just thought like I, I thought think Red we're the Bull- Lewis fans here though, because I think Ernie and Mark are Max fans, if I'm <laughs> correct. Wait, no way. I, Mark? I just Yeah. Is a Max Verstappen fan? Yeah. I, I don't necessarily love Max Verstappen, but I feel like, I mean, Hamilton does some shady stuff on the track, too. I mean, everyone, I think everyone does every, a little bit of shady stuff. I mean, everyone when they does, have too. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Red mist. Uh, <laughs> but the. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, Hamilton. Played very clean this year, but he didn't always used to play clean. And Max didn't play super clean this year, but again, he's still young. And, you know, uh, but he's getting better. I mean, I was watching some videos on how Max Verstappen takes corners and how it's a lot different than, like, the sort of traditional way of how you're supposed to take a corner. Like, he comes at it at this very sharp angle. He drives dirty. Just get to it. He drives so dirty. You mean, like, like how do you... Why do you think he drives dirty? You can't just take someone's line. Well, like, Lewis yeah. punted... Don't forget, Lewis punted Max a few races I would punt before. Max, too, if I were him. No, he punted Max for no reason. No, he punted Max because Max is a little biatch. Like, seriously, it's so annoying. Wait, wait, Mark, what did you think of that? So the very first turn of the last race, right? Like, that's when Lewis made his move and took the, like, he kind of, he, well, Max came and kind of moved him off track. And then Lewis, instead of going back to the track, just took the corner and then passed yeah. Max, right? And that yeah. was, like, kind of controversial a little bit, right? Like, everyone was like, whoa, hold up. What are the governors going to say about this or whatever, right? Like, because Lewis was on a line and then Max kind of came in and pushed him off. But then Lewis, instead of re-entering from behind, just was like, okay, screw it. And he just took the, like the shorter path like through the gravel or whatever you know yeah i mean i think that was shady i i, I mean well, it was shady on the part though on on lewis's max you had think- the pa- max was complete you know he was beyond the nose and 
uh, in the turn. And in my opinion, Lewis should have uh, allowed given him, him, given him the, given him the position. And instead, I, Lewis kind of took the opportunity to track go. out a little bit and go. Right. And that's equally as shady as the stuff that Max does. So, but, what, but didn't Max? So, from my recollection, like Lewis came off the line quicker and took the lead early, right? Like right from the get go. And then Max was trying to get it back. And so he made that aggressive move into that first turn. And that's when Lewis went off, right? I don't think mm. Max had the lead in the very big. Be- I thought Max was he was pole position, but then off the line he came off slow and Lewis took the lead like right before they'd even gone into the first turn. Yeah, but I think before I think in the braking zone Max was already almost a half car ahead of Lewis. So at mm. that point at that and he had the inside, right? So at that point Lewis should have given him you know you know just given the space for it yeah i think lewis took the opportunity to to drive drive around yeah like, no. any, like anyone would have like anyone would have you know these guys these guys are trained to take every that... opportunity possible it's literally like the the soccer players who take dives you know you try and take everything you can get and then you take everything you can get and then ask for forgiveness later. And, you know, if, of course. if it works out, you don't it got, works out. You don't have time to a- analyze every little repercussion. You just have to, like, what has been told to me at the track, like, assert the, assert your dominance always. Yeah. That's how you win. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, here's the thing, though. Over the totality of the race, Lewis was the better driver. Like... Yeah, for sure. I, he was I just don't he was at all. he was pushing the lead lap after lap after lap after lap. Their strategy seemed to be better. Like he like I don't know. I just, to me it just seemed like that was like Max had pole position. He had Red Bull seemed to have had the fastest car like for 90% of the season it seemed like to me. You know, like I felt like whenever it seemed like even close to head to head and they were on an even playing field, it always felt like the Red Bull car was faster, you know? Um, but then somehow late in the season, I don't know if Mercedes tweaked something. It seemed like Lewis was finally able to get his legs under him and was actually beating him coming down the stretch the last few, you know, Grand Prix. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. it just... I think yeah. Mercedes always has always has the straight line speed on everybody. I the what Red Bull has is a very good aero package and uh, a very talented uh, technical director um, mm. who can you know make that car work. Uh, Adrian Newey is the guy who does all that stuff, and he is. Uh, proven himself in the past and in basically part of that Red Bull equation that, you know, that's been making it. I mean, yeah. So well, I think, and I think the Honda engine, you know, panned out really well for them. Like, I think that's, it did. It didn't initially, it was a challenge initially. Really? Because yeah, they, by the end, weren't, wasn't Honda like trying to dip out and then they were just like Red Bull and them like were like extended by another season or something? Yeah. Well, th- yeah. 
so the Renault stuff was a disaster. Oh yeah. Uh, and then, then Honda, there was like, I can't honestly, it's all mixing together. I can't remember if this is part of drive to survive or not, but the Honda motor, um, there was a lot of challenges yes. uh, in getting that to work reliably. And right. then finally they, they got the right Honda engineers on it and it's been good and consistent and, you know, back the way Honda, sh- you know, should be right. You know, back when Senna, you know, Senna was driving and all, you know, the early, early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Who, who do you, who do you guys like of like the other drivers? Mm. You know? The non greats. <laughs> my favorite, like... my favorite driver is Daniel Ricardo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Course, Everyone loves Daniel. Daniel Everyone loves Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and he lives in LA now, so we can be best friends. Oh, Daniel's such well. a he to me. Daniel Ricardo seems like he was built for that show. You know, like he's a very like marketable dude. I think he even knows. Like to me, when I watch him, it doesn't even seem like the guy really wants to win. Like I know he wants to win. <laughs> no. He says he wants to win, but part of me thinks he's like goofing off and having a good time, like way yeah. more. <laughs> That's that's why I like him. He just seems laid back. Yeah, he seems like just like a fun guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Who's your favorite non like top tier driver? I don't know. I don't know. I really like <laughs> I really like oh. George Russell actually. Yeah. Really? He's got a good attitude mm-hmm. and is talented. So I'm curious to see what he does and um Kimi Raikkonen is is always fun. Yeah. Uh because of his personality. Uh he mm-hmm. you know he's been driving a really really long time and he's just doesn't want to deal with anyone's stuff, but I don't know. Uh even Vettel uh Sebastian Vettel that to me is the weirdest he, thing like watching him struggle with Ferrari was just like yeah, to me it was just so yeah. weird because he was Sebastian Vettel was like this is a world champion you know he's like that level caliber driver and to see ferrari and him like struggling that much was just weird you know yeah i i started watching formula one as you know right before um sebastian got in the seat and um so i got to watch you know watch all that and you're like you know who's this kid it's crazy so and max is sort of on a similar trajectory. Yeah. Which is interesting. But what do you think about Lance Stroll? Mm. I mean, is he is he talented or is he there because his dad's, you know, Lawrence Stroll? I think he did a lot better last season than prior I think prior he was I mean, he looked like a gentleman driver and you know, I thought it would felt like a very gentleman driver, but I think my perception was last season that he did uh, drive well and made some solid moves and improvement in his driving and um, his professionalism and uh, has started to step away from that stigma. So I think, you know, but that's, that's tough, man. You know, it's no secret that he was the, you know, he was, he was driving because he could afford to drive right. and his dad was carrying mm-hmm. a team. And like, that's a horrible thing to have like hanging over your head and you have to, you know, mentally that would break you down pretty easily. So I'm, 
I'm impressed with his yeah yeah because uh, you would ability to you like kind of see past right. that or like work through that. Because everyone season, would assume and, and that, right? Well. Like you would, it would be mm-hmm, hard to gain mm-hmm. the respect of other drivers if your mm-hmm. dad is the owner of the car and the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm the primary yeah. driver of my dad's team. Whereas you got guys like Esteban Ocon who are out there like grinding, trying to like make mm-hmm. teams, trying to like, <laughs> I don't know, like uh, to me, I liked Ocon. <laughs> like that's my favorite, like non. Because he seemed like he didn't have the connections of, you know, the other guys that had like, you know, like what's his name was from Mexico. So he could he knows that, you know, Mexican billionaire and can get sponsorship money that way. And Ocon and him were like Mm -hmm. battling for the last spot on the team kind of thing. And Ocon's out there like on his little bike, like trying to work out, trying to like you could see him like struggling, like trying to be. I I don't know. I always felt like I felt bad for Ocon. I'm glad he's still there. Yeah. Um, underdog. Yeah, I like the yeah. underdog. I kind of liked Albon, Alex Albon, because of that too. But then mm-hmm. I don't know. He kind of he faded out for me. I I don't know. He just seemed like his family seemed weird and. Mm-hmm. Gasly. Oh yeah, I like Gasly too. I like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I Pierre like Gasly. I was not a Gasly fan when on his on the first season, oh. uh, like or like when on his first season in Formula One, I was not a huge fan. But Char- uh, Charles Leclerc, yeah, is mm-hmm. very talented as well. Yes, mm-hmm. and like I like Charles, and a he's lot. on Ferrari now, right? He's their main guy. All right. Well, I mean, where are we at here? We're <laughs> probably closing in on close to an hour and a half so um yeah what we could we could talk about this for hours um (laughs) thanks guys for coming on the pod um thanks for having us on the pod you know what maybe there'll there'll be some movie event and we can just talk about movies like we normally do What's the what's like? I mean, I what's know, the best um, racing movie, like to watch, mm. <laughs> or car related uh, movie? The, I'd say uh, I'm trying to think. It's not. Was it Driven? Driven was the one. Um, what was the one with? It was like super cheesy with um, the Breaking Bad dude in it. It was so bad. But it was so good. Breaking. No, uh, hold on, let me find it. Uh, the the most recent one, I would say Rush, is really good. The story of Nicky Lauda oh, and James. Oh, yeah, Hunt. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was good. That okay. was good. I saw that. That's the most recent one I could think of mm-hmm. that was actually really good. Rush. Um, yeah. What was the one of the Ford versus Ferrari? Was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I oh saw that. yes, that's mm-hmm. that one's yeah. so good. I did see that. I did yeah. see that. That one's a good, good one. That was a good one. There are actually yeah. a lot of car movies now that I think about it. I mean, I, I mean the, I liked, the greatest you know? car show yeah. of all time though is Knight Rider. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> just wanna just <laughs> put that out there. I mean that Senna, the documentary. I haven't seen really that good. either. I heard that was super yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen oh, that. Oh, really? you definitely so need to watch that. 
you need to watch right. it. Yeah, yeah. Because you can. They That's show like the all original the Drive to Survive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see the all all the old in car driving, and you know what? It's the same yeah. drama like for decades. You know, it's yeah. just so. I good. know. I'm sure those old guys are like. Yeah, Senna versus Push buttons and drive. We used to like actually step on the clutch and, you know. Like, yeah. It's a different skill set. Yeah. You can watch the in car. It's like crazy. You know, shaking. It's so violent. Yeah. All of it's crazy. But. You have, uh, yeah, Senna versus Prost was like a huge, yeah. huge team fight. That's. I like, mean, and that that era of racing changed all areas of motorsports really? forever, like safety wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Hans devices. You know, like Hans Hans device is like a neck brace. It's, and it's so head like, and neck restraint system. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh, that okay. is what that stands for. So yeah, like that was invented during that era because of accidents that were killing people that could have easily been, you know, prevented. And like we both, Mark and I, use Hans devices in our, you know, for our oh really our track days and stuff now. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like pre- like. All our all our helmets. If you're using like actual like SFI rated helmets, they all have like provision. Most of them have provisions for like Hans devices now. I mean, like you think about right. just something as simple as that came from like that wow. era of F1. Okay, shoot. All mm-hmm. right, I gotta watch this stuff. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on, Mark and Radina. <laughs> you're you're welcome. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Thanks Come for coming back on, anytime, guys. you guys. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> we love we loved having you. Uh, you did a great job. All right, guys. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, uh, thanks we for will, having uh, us. We will catch you all later. Yeah. Uh, I'm Steve. Ernie. Oh my. God, jeez. This guy is killing me here. Barely awake. Killing me. Oh, he fell asleep. <laughs> Barely awake. Here. Wait, I what just, time is it over there? It's 1.30. Oh, that's, man. That's nothing. It's tomorrow. No, no not dedication. for this guy. No, you know what that 30, is? That's a dedication is nothing to the pod. For Ernie. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> do your Wordle right go now, Go do your Wordle. Just <laughs> do go your do your Wordle. wordle. <laughs>